Okay, this is uh, podcast number 252, entitled Ah, Sweet Mystery of Life, based on the celebrated song from the operetta Naughty Marietta that was sung by uh, Jeanette MacDonald and, uh, in connection with Nelson Eddy and was, in fact, the song she had played, uh, Jeanette MacDonald, at her funeral. And um, it's not about the song, it's about the title of the song, Ah, Sweet Mystery of Life, I've Found You. And I'd like to really uh, um, put out there what uh, the uh, current view is on the mystery of life, which I hope will really help you in the situation you're in. The podcast is... Um, because it's helped me, <laughs> the I message. You always have to make it an I message. This is a um, a podcast that is dedicated to David Babacow of Pensacola, Florida, someone whose wisdom and whose receptivity and whose kind, uh, gracious uh, Christian spirit has made such an impact on me and on uh, the Zal family. Now, um, the quotation I'd like to read, the mystery of life really, uh, as far as our side is concerned, um, really pertains to or is expressed in two um, very uh, great uh, truths. One regards the nature of faith in God, and the first, however, the indispensable preamble to it regards the um, coming to oneself that seems to be absolutely requisite, I mean utterly and 100% necessary, to um, to uh, walk in the door, you enter the uh, house beautiful, to quote John Bunyan, um, of the... Uh, nature of human individual personality and life. And I'd like to begin by reading a quotation from Rudolf Bultmann, as we used to say. Bultmann! Um, Rudolf Bultmann is a very big uh, subject, but he did write something, among many other things, of uh, tremendous uh, penetration when he wrote this. I believe this quotation came from... uh, Todd Brewer, but it might have come from David Zoll. It might have come from um, Robin Anderson. It, uh, I don't know who it came from to me, but it's in my phone. And whoever uh, gave it to me, I thank you spiritually. Boltman writes, when we encounter the words of Jesus in history, we do not judge them by a philosophical system with reference to their rational validity. They meet us with the question of how we are to interpret our own mode of existence. This is the key sentence now coming up, that we ourselves be deeply disturbed by the problem of our own life is therefore the indispensable condition of our inquiry, that we ourselves be deeply disturbed by the problem of our own life is Therefore, the indispensable condition of our inquiry. Now, you heard what that said. I don't need to translate it. Um, I used to soften this. Uh, people were so on me when I would say this in ministry, starting right at the beginning, because I I discovered this in my own sort of end-of-the-rope um, experience of God, um, that when I would say, you know, the indispensable prerequisite of coming to something like the nature of biblical faith and the power of the gospel message to you resides in your coming to the end of your own resources. And people would say, that's too harsh. That's too either or. What about people who are maybe questioning their own resources or are uh, having a few doubts or are still doing their very best to act on their own resources, but realize that, you know, it takes two to tango and it's not all about me. It's about me and other factors. What about a compromise position? And, um, 
that was the accusation that I got all the time. And I simply, um, at this point, I won't try to take on all those generations of individuals. They're still around and they always will be because it's human nature to deny it. I won't take them on. I won't try to um, rationalize it or defend myself. All I'll simply say is that what I see now on the basis of 50 years of work in this arena, 50 years of work in uh, this uh, arena, uh, and really more, uh, 67 years of living in this arena, is that the indispensable condition of really talking to God with any um, uh, engagement or any real hope of having the fishing line tugged from the other end uh, is the coming to the end of one's own resources by asking the question of what the is going on. I have been checkmated. I have been uh, chained. I have been held back. I have been paralyzed. I have committed compulsive sins of commission and passive-aggressive sins of omission. And I am at a stage now when at least in one area, and there's always one, there's always at least one area, I I am asking the indispensable question is, what, what am I supposed to do with this? I can't fix myself. That's the, that's the, and, and so it's not as if I'm going to tell you that uh, it's a both and. It's not a both and experientially. Now, in the ultimate long course of, of, uh, of one's overall life in the light of God, in the light of genetics, in the light of psychogenetic inheritance, in the light of experience, in the light of tragedy, in the light of imposing and negative circumstances that were not our own fault, let alone things that were our own fault, in the light of the big picture, maybe it's not either or. But case by case, in terms of prayer to God, it is either or. It demands a complete and total end of one's own resources. And um, uh, without that, it's the sine qua non of a relationship with God. Uh, now, you don't have to believe this. I'm not made. No one's making you believe it. But your experience is bound to mirror this. Um, that song by the Four Tops from 1970, Can I Be Your Mirror? Uh, the, the, your, your experience of life is bound to, at some level of your uh, uh, amalgamation and assimilation of what's happened to you and who you are and what has been you and who you you'd like to be and what you've failed at and what you've succeeded in is bound to tell you that there is an existential question mark at the root of some form of, of catastrophic imposition on your progress or wall or blockage or paralysis or profound self-destruction and masochistic ha- ha- habitude. Now, that um, being uh, the case, and I state to you, I submit to you that it is, by the way, um, see the movie called the Devil at Four O'Clock. The Devil at Four O'Clock, starring Spencer Tracy and Frank Sinatra from 1961. It's not really available. I mean, you can, there's a DVD of it. There's, there's definitely a DVD you can get, but um, it's just a little too Christian. It's 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 a movie that you, as you watch it, you say, "How did this ever get made with Spencer Tracy and Columbia Pictures and all these famous people, and especially Frank Sinatra?" A movie that so profoundly captures the 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 truth of Boltmann's. Uh, saying that unless you come to the end of your own resources, you cannot know God. But when you do, you can know God instantly because the priest, the drunken priest, it's not a Richard Tennessee, a Richard Burton, Tennessee Williams, Knight of the Iguana situation. Um, it's really a, a, a priest who's simply a drunk. He, he's, a, he's a well-meaning, socially progressive uh, activist, uh, good, uh, uh, intensely um, well-doing man, but he has completely lost his message. He's, he, there's no transcendence in his approach, none, zero. 
zero. And he's become a drunk as he uh, fails in his ministry based upon his own resources. And only when in the most remarkable and Christ-like scenario, he is absolutely cut off from any possibility of escape or hope. In the um, actual uh, situation of having in his arms a man who has just given his life for others explicitly in right in front of us, um, a criminal who has given his life for many others that they may be saved, and the criminal who actually is the thief on the cross, only at that point um, is this uh, drunken uh, priest who's so frustrated and so angry because he has an anger problem, a real anger problem. Is he able to really do business with God? And he does, and you can't believe it. I mean, it's so good. The devil at four o'clock, get it. It's very cheap. There's no market for it, but it's a major Hollywood movie. Now, what I want to say to you is that this is, um, this is simply true. I simply, uh, I ask you to cite, I, I cite your experience. What is it? Um, Jack Kerouac said, forgive, forgive everyone your own sins. You know, I, I, I ask you to cite your own experience as evidence of my experience. Um, and when you come to a point, uh, you know, and everybody's got something, even the best of us have some loss or some resentment or some hurt or some deep um, um, stoppage that uh, is so profound that it, um, we've just given up. It's just part of us. It, it'll never go away. And um, what you have to say is, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. I mean, I, I don't believe it's going to go away. I, I want to believe that you can do anything, but I've lost complete hope, and I have to admit to you, I have nothing. It's wonderful at the end of the devil at four o'clock, the, when the priest says his final confession, he doesn't sort of say a new edgy confession. You know, if I've sinned, you know, take what I take what little I have and work with it, even if I've not blown it in the big way. He he says he says a very orthodox confession. He says my sins are ever before me, and they are abhorrent in thy sight. I mean, his, his uh, confession is not, quote, liberal, end of quote. It's gospel. It's uh, New Testament. It's uh, talking to Christ. So um, that being the case, if the first step is the indispensable requirement that we come to ourselves and asking the existential question of the complete uh, contingency of our broken, fragile, aging lives, what's the next? Well, faith almost inevitably comes. It's so funny. The actual moment that you state what I've just stated, and you're able to say what I've just said, um, is the, uh, uh, it's almost the thing itself. I, I used to say to people, it's almost like the, the first word is almost the second word, or is, it's like is the, the, the first word includes the second word. In other words, the, the call for rescue almost is the rescue, and that's how it functions. The moment you, you call for rescue, knowing that only rescue is possible, at that exact moment, um, it's almost as if every all it's everything's open at that point. Every, every all bet all bets all of previous bets are off. Everything's open. I like the expression "all bets are off." Um, I was um, talking to someone I care for very much, and he was uh, he and I share a belief in UFOs. And um, I, I said to him, "Why why did you why why do you feel so strongly about UFOs?" And he said, "Well, he said he said me and my dad um, we um, we believed that that if it were true." He's a very sagacious person, by the way, very sagacious and very meek person. He said, if it were true that an alien intelligence, an alien intelligence was seeking to contact us, then that would relativize everything. That would be the greatest fact in history. I would, my way of putting it would be, Mary's way of putting it would be, if it, if it were true that God had actually 
uh, quote, determined in some way beyond our ken to express his love for us in a specific uh, person and event uh, by which our sins could be forgiven. He'd actually come to earth as opposed to our wish that he might come to earth or that an alien might come. That would change everything. And it does when you realize it. It, it. When you actually come to sort of hear it and see it, in and again, in your own desuetude, in your own fallenness and tragic um, inertia, then uh, it, 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 is, it is a life-changing fact. As this man said, if it were true, if we could prove that an alien intelligence were seeking to reach us, then... Um, then all bets are off. I mean, all other options, you know, the Museum of Modern Art and Paul Clay, uh, you know, or Mondrian cannot save us, and uh, art cannot save us, and, uh, you know, um, rock and roll cannot save us. I, 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 I draw the line there. But um, Broadway musicals cannot save us, and uh, a million books by, you name it, cannot save us, and a new novel by such and such, or a a movement that's going on in the culture that seems quite perceptive, cannot change us, and alcohol cannot save us. Uh, You name it, it's easy to name the, but whatever it is, she cannot save me, and he cannot save me. Uh, My child cannot save me, nor can my father and mother save me, because only, uh, there's some things in me that are beyond saving, and only God can can do it. And at that point, it's, it's like it's folded in, it's like the solution is folded into the recognition of the problem. The moment you really recognize the problem, you know, I, I believe, help thou mine unbelief, or I, I want to, uh, I, I, in this area, I'm flummoxed. In this area, I'm buffaloed. There is no hope. Abandon hope, all ye who enter here. That's why I never talk about it in a prayer group. You know, I asked uh, somebody, you know, Menendez, Don, and, uh, you know, Frau Menendez down in uh, Birmingham, would say, you know, in 25 years of doing small groups, no sick no person had ever discussed money. These are all young, ambitious couples, you know, uh, middle-class professional couples, upper-middle-class professional couples. No one had once brought up money. I mean, it just shows how, you know, something very close to the bone and your views about money and where it's going to come from and how you're going to live. Well, golly. Um, Folded in an emotionally integrated question about your life is an immediate answer. Um, the the in the Devil at Four O'clock the parachute sequence you got to be seen to be believed. I mean, things could not be worse for this uh, group of children. It's sort of a um, end of the six happiness, but with a more definitely religious message. Um, Christian message. The parachute scene has got to be seen to be believed, but in the logic of the story, it's 100% accurate, 100% the way it would be. And um, uh, the moment you really do open up, bang. Well, um, I've, that's my experience. And at that point, God, because God is, God can change. You know, what does Paul say? You know, uh, God can uh, change in, a, in, a, in, a, in an instant what took you and me... Um, um, you know what? What is what is consumed a lifetime of of our inabilities to change it, of our failed attempts to change it. God can change in a minute, and that happens in Devil at Four O'clock. It's happened in my life, and I want to conclude with the song of tremendous power uh, that ends the podcast entitled "Power." 
Um, when uh, Eddie James, uh, you know, Paula White's sidekick, who, who I heard not so long ago, and his group, I think he's assisted. Let me give credit where it's due. The uh, sopranos in this song entitled Power by Eddie James are Ashley Bryson and Patricia Miller. And listen carefully to it. It talks about first the promise from John about the comforter. Then it um, talks about what the comforter will, will give, uh, uh, what, how it will help us practically. And then it quotes the scripture, the King James Version. God, I love the King King James Version. Uh, listen carefully to the way they sing in a funky song the King James Version of the story of Pentecost. And then um, she actually offers it to the listener. She actually gives the listener the chance to to, to have it. It's, it suddenly comes down to the, to the real case of your own uh, existential quandary of life. And we know that uh, prayers are answered. I've seen it answered. I, I, just this week, I've seen dramatic answers to prayer, but it is uh, inevitably and necessarily, and in 100% of cases, the requirement is that it be embedded in a real uh, expression of what the need is. Um, Thank you very much. And this is Power by Eddie James and crew.
time.